This is the message from Connection Community Church for Ash Wednesday, March 1st, 2017. Broken Heart. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Good evening, Connection Church. My name is Lori Brown. I'm the pastor of spiritual formation here at Connection and a sinner who has been saved by God's grace. Would you pray with me, please? Holy God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you for this incredible, awesome day that you have placed before us. Lord, thank you that we have chosen to be here tonight to... um, kick off the Lenten season here on Ash Wednesday. Open our hearts, Lord, wide. Change us and transform us. Uh, Let your spirit and your presence just be among us. Let your love flow through us. We thank you for every person here and those who are not. We give you all the honor and all the praise and all the glory for the things that you are doing and the way that you are intervening and working in each of our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, um, Ash Wednesday, that's tonight. It's the first night of a season in the church known as Lent. And Lent is the period of six and a half weeks, six and a half weeks that leads up to Easter. It's a time of preparation, a time where we prepare our hearts to make more room for Christ in our lives, a time for us to reflect on our relationship with Jesus, to reflect on the sacrifice that he made for each and every one of us, for his journey to the cross, and ultimately his death and resurrection— so that we can be reconciled to God. So during Lent, we become present to our need to repent from our sin. And our sin are those things in our lives that are not aligned with how God would have us live. These are the things that hinder our relationship with God and other people. Hopefully, During this evening, you'll start to recognize and maybe become present to some of those things in your own life that get in the way of all that God has for each and every one of us. Lent is also a time to remember that our days here on earth are numbered. Sometimes we live like we have all the time in the world. We forget that life is short. Every day is a gift. Every day is a gift. Lent helps us to reflect on our mortality and our need for God in our lives each day 
as we set aside daily time for God. It's so important that we set aside that time for God, especially during this Lenten season, a time where we can read and meditate on God's word, where we can sit in silence in his presence, examine our hearts, repent of our sins, and turn and believe the good news of Jesus Christ. So tonight, as we explore the theme of Ash Wednesday, we're going to start with a passage from the Bible that we wouldn't normally start with um, and use in Lent. This scripture was illuminated to me on February 17th, and it's part of our church-wide life journal reading plan. I know that several of you are doing that plan. And I'm thankful for the reading challenge, as I often find that God gives me that nugget every day, that piece of truth that I needed to hear for myself personally. I hope that you are receiving that as well as you read along. The part that jumped out me on that day is found in the New Testament in the book of Acts, chapter 24. In it, Paul is defending himself after he was arrested for false charges against him while he was in Jerusalem. Paul begins to speak to the governor who's overseeing the matter. And I want to focus specifically on a couple lines of Paul's testimony. Paul says, However, I admit, I worship the God of our ancestors as a follower of the way, which they call a sect. I believe everything that's in accordance with the law and all that is written in the prophets. I have the same hope in God as these men themselves have, that there will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. So I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. Let's say that last line together. So I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. So Paul admits by saying that he worships the God of their ancestors, and he clarifies for them, yes, I am a follower of the way, which you call a sect within Judaism. You know, the way is what the early Christians followed. Paul testifies that he believes everything contained in the law of Moses and everything that the prophets have written. You know, when Paul talks about the law, also known as the Torah, he's referring to the first five books of Moses. Genesis, Exodus, you can say them with me if you know them, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And he also testifies that he believes everything that's written in the 17 prophetic books that are found in the Old Testament. Paul says he has the same hope in God that his accusers has. That there will be a resurrection of the dead. I like how Paul speaks about the resurrection. He's basically saying everyone, everyone will resurrect one day, right? So when we die at some point, everyone will resurrect one day. And he specifies not just that, but he says the righteous and the wicked. The righteous to eternal life in God and the wicked to judgment. 
Now, we don't often think about this line like this, but what jumped out at me is that Paul was so specific, the righteous and the wicked. You know, for me, a lot of times when I think about the resurrection, I think, you know, I'm going to be up there in heaven with God because <laughs> I'm part of the r righteous, right? And so are many of us. We're part of the righteous. Um, but it made me think that, wait a minute, you know, there's those who are not going to be up there in heaven. I f sometimes I forget that, you know, you think like sometimes once you're in, it's easy to forget about those that are not. Does that make sense? Do you guys ever think that way, or is it just me? Um, so here's the thing. We become righteous only by having a personal relationship with Jesus. It is not by works. God's righteousness is given to all who believe by faith that Jesus is the Son of God and invite him into their heart. That's as simple as it is. There's nothing we have to do, no special thing. It's just believe by faith that Jesus is who he says he is. So, you know, it made me think about, prior to me giving my heart to Jesus in 2004, that if I had died before that time, I would have been among the wicked who resurrected. And it saddens me, again, to think that there's just too many people in our families, our communities, our neighborhoods, our world, that don't know who Jesus is. I am excited, though. On Monday night, one more, my stepfather gave his heart to the Lord. So amen and praise God to that. And that's the thing. Let's remember that God loves all people and wants no one to perish apart from him. He wants everyone to be with him. Everyone. So Paul's on trial because he believes in the resurrection. He believes that Jesus is the Son of God who is the first to be resurrected by, to eternal life by God's power. The question for us is, do we believe in the resurrection? Do you believe in the resurrection? It's an important question for us to answer. Paul states that it's because of his belief in the resurrection that he strives, and the Greek word for strives here means to practice and engage, to always keep his conscience clear before God and man. So what would it look like for us if we tried to keep our conscience clear all the time between God and man? It would mean we ha would have to engage and practice what Paul's talking about. That as things come into our conscious where we get offended by God or offended by other people, that we work to remove that offense. Because that offense stays in our heart and it hardens our heart and it breaks our heart when we have offense in it. So doing this requires self-examination. And one of the great ways I have found to do this is by using John Wesley's 22 questions. Um, and you'll get this on your way out. 
there's, uh, explains what self-examination is and some of it, the questions. But self-examination is a spiritual practice that challenges us to take an objective look at the spiritual condition of our hearts at any given moment. Many times we find it's really much easier to focus on the condition of other people's hearts and their flaws and their character defects than our own. So the way that I use the 22 questions is I simply scan the list and I ask myself of the questions on the list, what are one or two of the questions that are like I'm being convicted by? Because you don't want to look at every 20 all 22, right? But that would just be overwhelming. So you just pick one or two that you're like, oh, yeah, I'm really being convicted by that, God. Um, and that's what you reflect on. There's some good questions. So just an example of a couple of the questions. Um, do I pray about the money I spend? Good question. Do we? Um, am I jealous, impure, critical, irritable, touchy, or distrustful? I know I've had to say yes to a couple of those at times. Um, this is one of my favorites. Is there anyone whom I fear, dislike, disown, criticize, hold resentment toward, or disregard? And here's the clincher. And if so, what am I going to do about it? Okay, so um, take this on your way home, and ho I hope that you all practice self-examination during this time of Lent. So personally, I also find it helpful to do with this with others. You know, it helps to confess these things not only to God, but to another human being. Um, I have an accountability partner I meet with once a month, and that's what we do. We confess the two most probing questions, and we talk about that. And I've also done that, um, we've also done that in some of our small groups where we have some accountability time. So what if we ask God on a regular basis to shine his light on us, on the state of our souls, so we can clearly see the things with our, that are in the way of our relationship with God and other people? Those are the things that are not aligned with God's will. What would it look like if we took the necessary steps to reconcile with others by making amends to them for those people that we ourselves had hurt, have hurt? What would it look like if we forgave everyone who hurt us? You know, as I was driving down here tonight, I was thinking of one time that I made amends for something. Um, there was a, a child care provider of mine who watched Kimberly and my son, Sean. And, you know, her part, part of her agreement was that when we end the contract, we give her two weeks' notice. Well, I suddenly ended the contract, and I did not give her two weeks' notice. I pulled the kids out, and I never paid her for those two weeks. Well, we're talking years later, I mean like maybe 10 years later, I got convicted of this offense. And I was like, ooh, I need to pay her back this money. 
I don't even know if she still lives in the same neighborhood. Um, then I thought, oh, God is, God, I was like, man, i got to add interest. <laughs> anyway, I went to the house, at least where I knew she was. I knocked on the door. I wasn't sure who was going to open it, and sure enough, it was her, and I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> And I just confessed. I mean, I didn't have to confess. She already knew what I did, but <laughs> I just apologized. And I said, look, here, I want to make right on this. And I gave her the money. And boy, oh, boy, I will tell you, doing something like that, making amends for an offense, will cause great freedom in your life. And it also shows an example in their life. So I encourage you to make amends. So again, what would it regularly look like if we confessed our sin to God who is always ready to forgive? He's already forgiven us, right? He went, he went and died for all of our sins, past, present, and future. The thing is, is that we ne just need to confess them. Just imagine the difference it would make in our own lives and the lives of those around us. So this is a really tough challenge to practice. And that's why Paul says, he used the words, he strives to do this because it's hard. And one reason it is hard is, as just mentioned, it's because it's much easier for us to look and point at other people than it is ourselves. You know, have you ever looked at someone and thought, you know, I'm not as bad as that, whatever that is. Um, you know, when we do that, we justify our own sin. So the next passage we're going to look at is, um, we're going to look at one from the Old Testament that's a more traditional Ash, Ash Wednesday passage. It's hard to say that. Um, it's found in the Old Testament in the book of Joel. Joel was one of the prophets. This passage will provide some additional tools to help us follow Paul's example by striving to keep our conscience clear before God and man. So the Lord tells Joel to tell the people even now even now <laughs> even now Randy <laughs> even now declares the Lord return to me with all your heart <laughs> with fasting and weeping and mourning rend your hearts and not your garments Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in love. <laughs> and he relents from sending calamity. Okay, so it is never, ever too late for us to return to the Lord. Never, never too late. So don't ever think it's too late. Um, the hard part sometimes is recognizing when we fall away a little bit and a little bit more, you know, we do that slow creep, um, fade. Anyway, that's why using John Wesley's 22 questions can be helpful for us. Because we all have various kinds of what I call mental gymnastics that we play to keep ourselves in denial. We all have... You know, those times where we justify our sin, our fear, our unforgiveness, our bitter hearts, our worry, our pride, our self-reliance, and unbelief in our lives. We minimize our need to get right before God. 
Anybody ever do that? Yeah, we minimize our need to get right before God. Because it feels good sometimes to just be right, doesn't it? Or, you know, nurse, I mean, nurse a little good resentment. Like, why does that? No. We don't want to do that. We want to let go of those things. Um, Returning to the Lord is about letting go of those things and making a change in direction. And honestly, the truth is, when we let go of those things, we feel ten times better than when we hold on to them. Even though we might think, oh, I'm right, and, you know, when we're like that, it feels so much better to just let go of that. So this is similar to what we mean we say we need to repent. Repentance is an inward attitude that causes us to be sorrowful for our sin and leads to an outward change. When we repent, we confess our disobedience and turn our hearts to the Lord. The Lord gives specific instructions on how the people are to return their hearts to him. We are to return to the Lord with fasting, weeping, and mourning. These are all inward and outward expressions and ways that help us go beyond the surface level of the words, I'm sorry. How many times have we said, I'm sorry, for something, and then we went and did the same thing over and over and over again? When we do that, we have not really allowed ourselves to become aware of the impact of our sin. You know, we're sorry in the moment, but we haven't gotten that deeper, that deeper root. We haven't realized the impact of the sin. If we realize the impact of it, we would stop doing it. So the spiritual disciplines help us do just that while we draw near to God. It helps us get down underneath the surface so that we can get the impact and repent and change our behavior. So fasting, one of the spiritual disciplines, from a strictly biblical perspective, it means to voluntarily abstain from food for a period of time. And today we expand the idea of fasting to include other things, such as technology, Facebook, uh, video games, TV, uh, I don't know what else, cell phone, um, lots of other things. You know, you can figure out what that might be for you. And then while fasting, the idea is for us to redirect our attention towards God, like away from that thing towards God, so that we can get our minds and our hearts right. And we use this time for prayer and self-examination. You know, and a question might be is, what, what might God be asking us to fast from in this season of Lent? Weeping is the outward expression of our inward sorrow associated from us turning away from God. So when we weep, we get present to the impact of our sin Have you ever wept over your sin? I see some heads nodding. Like the the impact of our sin just makes us weep. Um, Recently I became convicted of two things. One, uh, 
doing some grumbling and complaining and you know as we're reading through the old testament like god keeps saying you know grumbling and complaining is not good so um recently i've been convicted of that and i even asked dave i was like dave where's there's no complaint bracelets that you used to have you know so i can wear it as a visual reminder um another thing i was convicted of recently and just a little confession time um do what are there any um what do you call it what was the word competitive spirits around here does anybody have a competitive spirit all right be proud yeah all right (laughs) that's me i had this terrible competitive spirit especially when i'm driving (laughs) (laughs) and especially when dave is behind me on the road right it's like i have this thing like he is not getting in front of me no matter what (laughs) well i will tell you my competitive spirit and my love for driving almost got me into a really bad accident a couple months ago and i just confessed it to dave tonight and he actually saw me like i almost hit somebody and i was like oh my gosh the impact of that (laughs) competitive driving spirit was just terrible I know I'm kind of chuckling about it now, but I was like, I literally almost hit somebody and injured, like literally injured somebody. And that made my heart weep. And I got convicted of the impact, the, the, the ter- the, just how terrible that is. I mean, the thought of what would have happened if I would have hit that car. And um, I just renounced that spirit and, you know, the way that God has changed my heart is now, every time now when we leave, I let Dave leave first. <laughs> or if I'm ahead of him, I drive like close to the speed limit instead of. <laughs> this is confession, right? So that, um, so he can pass me. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. All right. Mourning. Mourning is another way to express our inward sorrow for sin. In Jesus' day, mourning also had outward visible expressions like the tearing of one's clothes, wearing sackcloth, putting ashes on the head. You know, later in tonight's service, we're actually going to make the sign of a cross on our forehead with ashes as an outward expression of our mourning that we have sinned before God and one another. Our sin breaks God's heart. It really does. It breaks God's heart. Our sin is a reflection of our broken hearts. Do you guys get that? It's a reflection of our broken hearts. So we take Paul's advice and strive to keep our conscience clear before God and man, as Paul reminds us in the passage that we read earlier. So the purpose of fasting, weeping, and mourning is to become aware of God's heart and the impact of the sin in our lives and the effect it has on other people, because it has effects on other people. Um, 
Joel tells them to rend, which means to tear. He tells them to tear their heart instead of their clothes. He's tired of the outward displays of repentance, saying, I'm sorry, repeatedly. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You know, words spoken that are not followed by an inward change of heart. Rending or tearing our heart is always an inward work. It's a change that becomes visible by God first, who knows our thoughts, who knows what's going on in our heart. Think about that. God knows everything we think. Yeah, I saw a couple eyebrows on that one. (laughs) It's like, whoa. God really knows what's in our hearts. So the tearing of our hearts, that's the inward work. And then when we do that and we follow the repentance, it comes out as an an outward change so that people then can actually see the real change over time as it's lived out. As it's lived out, because our thoughts change, our speech changes, our behavior changes. And the fruit of repentance is that inward change that's lived outward for people to see. So as a sign of this tonight, we offer to place again the sign of the cross on your forehead in ashes. The ashes are from the burnt palms from Palm Sunday last year. These ashes remind us of our mortality. They're up here. We're going to pray over them in a minute. And our need for repentance. We need to be reminded of our mortality and our need for repentance that everything will return to dust, including us, and that our time here on earth is short. The only thing that lasts is our relationship with God through Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. So let our lives continually witness to those we meet and remember that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Each one of us who have received him into our heart, we were once lost and now we are found. Just like my stepfather at almost 80 years old, he is lost and is found. Let tonight be a reminder to regularly practice and engage keeping our conscience free from offense from God and other people. May our thoughts, our speech, and our behavior be a witness of the love we have for God and one another. May that happen in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, here at church, um, out in the world, wherever we go. And before coming forward to receive the imposition of ashes, let's take a moment to pause and reflect on three questions. I think the questions will be on the screen. There we go. Okay. So the first question is, what sin is in the way of my relationship with God and other people? So let's take a moment of meditation while Diane plays.
The next question. What priorities in my life need to change to align with God's call to love God and other people? the final question, is there anything in my life that Jesus is asking me to let go of and leave behind as we journey to the cross? So God is calling us to a repentance of these things that is more than skin deep. Not just the tearing of our garments, but the tearing of our hearts for the things that get in the way of our relationship with God and other people. So I can sit, I urge you all to at least pick one thing that God might have brought to your mind tonight to take to that deeper level of repentance and um, let him help you do the inward change in your heart until it's lived out. Consider what spiritual disciplines you might use during Lent to help you draw closer to Jesus that will help you give that time to weep and mourn and become present to our sins and the effects of our broken hearts. So now I'm going to pray over the uh, ashes. Let us pray. 
Almighty God, you have created us, created us out of the dust of the earth. Grant that these ashes may be a sign of our mortality and penance, so that we may remember that only by your gracious gift are we given everlasting life. We pause here to offer our prayers of confession for the things that are keeping us from fully experiencing your grace. Amen. I'm going to invite Pastor Alan forward. And then we invite you tonight to rend your heart and humbly offer yourself to the Lord, repenting of those things that separate us from his great love. His love is so great. As you come forward, we'll make the sign of the cross on your forehead with the ashes, and we will say the words that are on the screen. Remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Repent and believe the good news of Jesus Christ, that he died for you. So come as you're led by the Holy Spirit. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community